So we do continue in this season of Advent, and all season long we have been intentional to enter into the story of Israel, where we have seen God's hand at work throughout the course of human existence, really. He is the protagonist that always shows up to save the day, especially as it pertains to his plan and his purposes in salvation history. This scripture is no different, and the scripture that Teddy just read is really what Jesus proclaimed at the very beginning of his ministry, the year of the Lord favor. Many biblical scholars believe that that is a direct reference to the year of Jubilee, which we are introduced to back in the third book of our Bibles, the book of Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, chapter 25. It's in the middle of the holiness code, what God really elevates and honors for his people. And so chapter 25, Moses talks about the requirements of the Sabbath day, which we've talked about this past year. The Sabbath is God's gift to the church. It's an invitation for us to rest a day that was set apart as holy unto the Lord. And by virtue of human rest on the Sabbath, livestock and land rested as well. But again, in Leviticus 25, there's also the establishment of a Sabbath year where land and livestock were also in mind. That whole year, this agrarian society was commanded not to work the cattle, not to harvest the land for restoration of the earth. The Sabbath day was expanded to the Sabbath year, but the cycle of sevens was not yet complete. After seven cycles of seven years, 49 years, the people were required to set apart the 50th year as the year of Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor. And not only would people, livestock, and land rest, but there was this beautiful move of restoration, which brings us to our first point. Jubilee means freedom. So what exactly happened in the year of Jubilee? It wasn't just rest. It was freedom that affected every sphere of human life. We're talking about the restoration of property, the release of debts, the release of slaves. Any land that had changed hands over the course of those 50 years was returned to its original owner. And for some of us, that may sound okay, but for others, we're like, well, I bought that land, or I traded for it, or it was given to me. But we need to go back to the beginning when the people entered into the promised land. God gifted that land to certain tribes and peoples. It was as much a spiritual inheritance as it was a physical. And if a person sold their inherited land, it was likely because they were in desperate financial need. That's why God commanded every 50 years that land is returned to its original owner. And that wasn't all. God also commanded that every debt be forgiven. And many people who were in debt, they were imprisoned. There were more severe crimes that people were taken outside of the city gates and stoned. Death, penalty. 
But for those who had debts, those debts, financial debts were forgiven. Then there was the declaration that all enslaved people were set free. Any bondservant who may have been because of financial distress or difficulty, they were set free. And part of this is a reminder that the people, they were set free and delivered from their bondage. God did that for them. It was an invitation to remember who God was and how he'd acted in their lives. Listen to Isaiah's words again in light of that context. The spirit of the Lord, the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jubilee brings freedom in every sphere of life, every 50 years, which also brings hope. Jubilee brings hope. Because of Jubilee, there was this permanent rhythm of hope hardwired into the DNA of God's people, embedded into the ways and means of their culture. There was this built-in protection against the permanent loss of your family's property, a built-in protection against permanent poverty, a built-in protection against permanent bondage, enslavement. So if tragedy or hardship forced someone into debt, into selling their family's inheritance, even into selling themselves into servitude, there was a built-in hope in that day of Jubilee, and it was always on the horizon just like we sang. The fact that it was a 50-year cycle means in the average lifespan of an Israelite, they would experience jubilee at least once in their lifetime. That's something to look forward to, that kind of hope. Tony Campolo is a pastor and professor at Temple University in Philadelphia, tells a story about walking down Chestnut Street one day, and there is this unsheltered person who grabbed a hold of him literally. Campolo noticed him and said, this person stunk. He was covered with filth from head to toe. Soot covered his body. His beard was long and there was food matted into it. And this man is holding a cup of McDonald's coffee, sees Tony Campolo and says, hey, mister, you want a drink of my coffee? And Tony Campolo hesitatingly obliged and took the man's coffee and just a small sip of it and gave it back and said, you're being awfully generous today. What's gotten into you? To which that man replied, unsheltered as he was, I figure God's been so good to me. I've got to be good to others just the same. Now, Tony Campolo thinks He's on to something, maybe being set up. And so asked, was there anything I can do for you in return? Expecting to be asked for $5 or some sort of a handout. And that man says, yeah, you can give me a hug. And Tony Campolo thought, I wish he'd asked for $5. <laughs> but he leaned into that man who 
put a bear hug around him and held on so tightly. And Tony Campolo worked his arms up underneath and grabbed him too. And finally, he's just standing there, the life being squeezed out of him nearly, thinking, this is kind of awkward, people passing by on the street. When all of a sudden it hit him, it hit that unsheltered man too, the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of God's presence in a moment, and they were both overcome with hope. This unsheltered man had hope. The hope of Jesus Christ. Jubilee brings freedom. Jubilee brings hope, but here's the really good part. Jesus is the one who brings those things. Jesus brings jubilee. Now, the problem with this beautiful vision of justice and righteousness that God laid out in Leviticus 25 is that it never really happened. There may be snippets of what was described, realized, but there is no scriptural narrative of the day of Jubilee. It's come, it's happening this year of the Lord's favor. Jubilee sounds pretty good, but arguably it never happened. And the reason is, if I'm the one giving up my land or canceling debt for giving people, I might have a hard time practicing Jubilee. Matt Leroy said, if you're the person who has the power to forgive, the power to return property or people, there might be something in a man that wants to protect that. And it's called the human condition. Sin. Maybe even the sin of pride. And it's a tragic thing that Jubilee never happened. It can't be found in Scripture, but it makes sense because once you have power, it's hard to give it away. Once you have the upper hand, it's almost impossible to let go of it from position to possessions or anything else in between. Throughout the whole of Scripture, Jubilee never happened. No one ever carried it out until Luke chapter 4. That's where we see Jubilee come to life. Jesus read these words at the inauguration of his ministry to proclaim why he came, the reason for his being. There in his home church, Jesus declared, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It had anointed me, he said, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Right there in his hometown synagogue, presumably in front of people who helped raise him, people who knew him, Jesus read from this scroll of Isaiah. He rolled it up, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down, and there in front of all of those people, he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. To a group of people who held out hope for Jubilee, a people who were longing for this reality, 
hungry for God to move, yet saying those words almost got Jesus killed that day. Later on in Luke 4, all of those people were furious. They drove him to the edge of town, wanted to throw him over the cliff. Saying those words almost got him killed. Living those words out did get him killed. Jesus gave his life for freedom, for jubilee. He embodied those words in the ministry that he brought. It was costly, but it was jubilee. And I want, to, I want you to hear even better news. Today, this scripture is being fulfilled. We are the body of Christ, embodying the presence of Christ. We gather and we scatter with the hope of Jesus Christ living inside of us. So let me remind you who you are, and that's a plural you. We're the ones hungry for God to move. We're the ones being filled, and that is a continuous filling with the presence of Jesus, embodying jubilee, which is breaking into time and space. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It has come. It's now here. And of its increase, there shall be no end. I've got a friend who pastors a small country rural church, and he's been there about a year, and he observed over the course of that year a bell on the church grounds that was never rung. And as he looked at that bell, noticed that the shell of that bell had been welded shut. And the clapper in the bell, the ringer, was removed. Well, he found the bell inside the church, that clapper. And he had a friend of his who was a welder unweld and buff and sand that shell. They reinstalled the clapper. Last Sunday, in the middle of worship during the sermon, he called out this friend, David, to go and ring that bell for the first time in years, proclaiming jubilee. Freedom had been restored. You've got to know that in this shell of the body of Christ, even our physical bodies, Jesus is the clapper. He's the ringer to our bells. And because of him, you're a dead ringer for someone else. And we are the ringers who walk out in the world gifted with certain abilities, spiritual gifts, the presence of God Almighty. We take him with us. We are the ones for whom Isaiah is writing, of whom he's writing. And it's almost like every line in Isaiah 61 is a bell that tolls. Man, I wish we had one that we could ring to comfort those who mourn, to provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown instead of ashes, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of despair. In every instance, there's this pattern of receiving the oil of joy before we are released of our mourning. And isn't that the gospel? We are saved not based on our own merit, but on the goodness of God who is the protagonist that entered into our story. He's pursuing us. It's his initiative. Saved us 
and is saving us to the uttermost. And so we receive his righteousness and we are then released from our sinfulness. We receive his wholeness and are released from our brokenness. We receive his healing. We are released from our sickness. We receive first, then we are released, and the world wants you to believe, think, behave differently. Well, you better clean yourself up before you get to Jesus. You better take care of all that junk on the inside before you receive anything that God has for you. That's not the gospel. And I feel like I should say it like this, church, that ain't the gospel. He pursues us, we receive from him, and then we are released. J.D. Walt said, God's grace does not work by replacement. It works by displacement. There is junk even inside of me. Lord, give me more of your Holy Spirit that all of that might bubble up out of me. That's true for everybody. We ought to applaud. That's the good news. So let me ask you this morning, is there something you need to receive from God? And there may be some in the room who need to receive salvation. Or maybe you've been saved once and you need to receive it again and again. We're not saved one moment, but moments all the time. But even beyond that, maybe there's a circumstance you find yourself in and you need to receive the presence of Jesus to drive that dark out, that addiction out, that despair or insecurity or fill in the blank. What is it you need to receive this morning? Then let me ask you, what is it you need to release? Or maybe, who is it you need to release? Maybe you're holding someone in a deep debt of forgiveness. Or maybe there's just something that you can't sink your heart and soul and mind around and let go of. And I want you to know, good, because that ain't the gospel. He wants to clean us up. He wants to clean us up, Marvin Church Core Worship. He wants to put his presence inside of us, continuous, flowing, to overflowing, because as we scatter, there's a world hungry for the hope that's inside of you. And again, if it's not inside of you, if there's any hint of despair, what do you need to receive? Because God is after you, pursuing you. He loves you. That's the gospel truth. And so we've journeyed during the season of Advent through the darkness, looking for the light. It's coming. But during this season, we're reminded of the comings of Christ who comes repeatedly and will come in final and triumphant victory. Until then, we remember peace. We hold on to hope and we embody joy, the joy of Jesus, because there's a world 
who needs what you have to know who you know, to be loved by the same love that you've received. That's what I want to put on you this morning. That's what I want God to pour into us this morning. So let's pray into it. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you are so faithful to show up and bless us with your presence and to keep showing up, giving us more and more and more of who you are. Lord, I pray for a great receiving and a great release that your presence would displace all that's not of you, that we might be a people that are whole, a people who know shalom, who embody hope, and because of it, express deep joy. Lord, it's not always the case, so do a work in us that you might do a work through us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Pray that with me. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name.